Hi, welcome to Leadership with Randy. I'm Randy Powell. Today you're listening to Highlights of Lessons in Leadership, our weekly conversation with inspiring people sharing some of those stories and lessons from their journey. But combat is men are kids. We were just kids killing each other, hunting each other down and killing each other. It's a singular activity that hasn't changed since we were beating each other's brains out with rocks. And I wanted the American people to know that. So I was writing poems about what combat was like. Our highlights today are from our conversation with John Musgrave, a Vietnam veteran who returned home from the war wounded after having been shot in battle but who soon learned that some of the most difficult wounds to heal are those psychological burdens we carry after having suffered trauma. Mr. Musgrave became a passionate early advocate for other veterans in the fight to inform the public about post-traumatic stress, something that wasn't talked about much in those days. He's the author of Notes to the Man Who Shot Me, a book of Vietnam War poetry, and The Education of Corporal John Musgrave. You can learn more about his lifelong work to help other veterans at johnmusgraveveteran.com. Now let's go hear a few highlights of our conversation with Mr. Musgrave. And July 2nd, 1967, which was the beginning of a battle, uh, beginning of a battle called Operation Buffalo, where we suffered the highest casualties that the Marine Corps ever suffered in a single battle in a single day. Uh, 1st Battalion, 9th Marines, we lost a whole company. And the other three companies were tore up so bad you couldn't put us together to make a company. And we were withdrawn from the field. The only time a Marine Infantry Battalion was ever withdrawn from the field of battle because we couldn't, we didn't have enough guys to fight. I came home not only disabled, but I, by wounds, I came home disabled by a wound I didn't even understand. And that was post-traumatic stress. But uh, coming home to a country that I didn't recognize, that was just like ripping the wounds wide open and pouring salt in them. The peace movement had grown a great deal in 1967. And when they flew me to the hospital, the first place they landed us in the United States was Scott Air Force Base in East St. Louis. And the next day they were going to fly us to Great Lakes Naval Hospital. The, uh, that's only about 30 minutes by jet from St. Louis to Chicago. But they brought us in about 1030 at night. And I remember thinking as they done two things, as they loaded me off the aircraft, carried me down on my stretcher and snow landed on me. And I started to cry. And I thought, I'm home. Didn't snow in Vietnam. I've really made it. And then the next thing that hit me was, God damn, it's awful dark. Are they ashamed of us? And he said, well, we did it for your protection. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? My protection, I'm home. I don't need protecting anymore. 
I made it. Once I became ambulatory and was able to leave the hospital, it got worse because people confronted me on the street. It was pretty easy to tell even when I wasn't in uniform that I was a Marine because I had a high and tight and I'm hobbling all around. And I was a wounded veteran and I didn't hide it. I was an in-your-face veteran. He called me a baby killer, but I never killed any babies. He called me a war criminal and, well, that was a pretty broad interpretation of war criminal, if I was. But they'd never been under fire. They'd never found their buddies mutilated and tortured after they'd been captured. But to come home and have people accuse me of, of doing horrible crimes that none of us ever would have considered doing, that was just too much. I uh, started drinking heavily and dating my 45, which meant every night after I'd come home from drinking, I'd get my pistol out of the drawer and chamber around and put it under my chin or against my temple and dare myself to finish the job. We started the fight for what was then called PVS, post-Vietnam syndrome, because we were the only guys that had the guts to talk about it. And in uh, fighting that fight, it, that helped keep me alive because I had a new mission. And my mission was to keep my brothers from killing themselves and to keep myself from killing myself. And that was a big, gigantic step for me because I realized my buddies didn't want me to carry that hatred. That hatred was like a big infection, pocket of infection in my guts. It just kept me in the war and kept me, hatred keeps you negative. And you don't accomplish anything positive when all you're doing is thinking negative. And that began my healing. Just open your heart to our pain. Let us know that you believe in us. Let us know that you honor us. Let us know that you are as proud of us as you were our fathers. Thanks for joining us for these highlights of lessons in leadership. I hope you were as inspired as I am. You can find the full-length audio right here at this site, or you can watch the full-length video of our conversation at leadershipwithrandy.com. Now get out there and make a difference. Keep believing, dreaming, and doing, and have an awesome week. Hope to see you again soon. Bye.